Welcome to the Curate Podcast, where we are pursuing the beautiful life together. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Curate Podcast, where we discuss all things woman. I'm Addie Longnecker, and I'm here today with Shelby Lohman, a 2019 Hillsdale grad, a wife and mother-to-be. She has been living in Kentucky, where she's been teaching high school for the past two years. You can find her blog at womanhoodunveiled.home.blog. Shelby, it is so good to have you on today. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So getting right into it, your article for this week's Curie, I think, is so timely. Um, Womanhood in our society is under attack and is constantly being redefined. And I think you have some really great insight on how to handle and respond to sort of society's demands. So my first question for you is, what are some of the most prevalent lies that you have seen modern society pushing on girls? Um, for starters, I feel like there's a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, so some of the first ones that come to mind of things that society is telling or trying to tell or convince uh, young women nowadays. Um, first is kind of a fundamental one that their feminine femininity is bad or flawed or is uh, the word I feel like that gets thrown around a lot is weak. Uh, and mm. this is probably the biggest thing that would get me going and my husband would probably attest to this. Um, but just this idea that women behaving and conducting and dressing and treating others and all like being shaped by their womanhood is looked down upon or almost disregarded or discouraged uh, like we are supposed to actually be acting the way that men would act or even depending on the circles you run in and who you talk to that men and women can and should just act the same um, so mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that I feel like pervades our culture and society mm-hmm. at this point is basically just a blurring of any sort of distinction between what men should be like or what men are called and created to be like and how what women are called and created to be like, um, that there's this sort of attempt at blurring the line or erasing the line completely, whereas I believe that we as Christians have to acknowledge and embrace and celebrate Mm -hmm. the fact that there is a line Mm -hmm. um, and that men and women are different. Yeah. So So that's the first thing. So we'll start really big. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. Um, What are some of the most important aspects of womanhood to you? And I know that's a very broad question. um, That's okay. (laughs) Um, So most important aspects of womanhood. Um, I think, and this is where I feel like this conversation can get really um, touchy depending on who you're speaking with or where they're coming from mm-hmm. um, in their experience with the differences in the sexes and everything. Um, but to me, some of the things that are most important to or most essential to womanhood, um, you could throw out like the Proverbs 31 mm-hmm. um, as a scripture reference, um, really embracing the fact that we are made differently in like a very physical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I feel like that's coming up even more lately now with all of the sports and athletic drama of men and women uh, playing in the opposite sexes, sports and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And that's something I feel like we never would have seen coming is like suddenly you have biological men playing on women's sports teams. But that's one. I think it's just acknowledging like mm-hmm. physically we are built differently yeah. and that's not a bad thing. Um, it's not, it doesn't reflect poorly on me that my husband has more physical strength than I mm-hmm. do or that he can run faster than I can. And lots of people can run faster than I can, but um, <laughs> just recognizing the physical aspect of mm-hmm. it's okay that we are built differently it is good that we are built differently like god didn't screw up when he made eve and designed her differently mm-hmm. um so in the physical aspect and how that plays into our actual like strengths and bodily capabilities um but then another important aspect of womanhood that comes kind of in hand with that is that we were designed to do different things mm-hmm. um and this is something that is at the forefront of my head right now because we're expecting in November, but literally the fact that women are designed to co-create and Mm -hmm. to carry new life. And that is something that distinctly female. um, And that's a really unique and beautiful, profound, all of the good adjectives Mm -hmm. um, part of womanhood. That is just another area where society is, just attacking and i think that it's how viciously society and culture attack it um like our ability to create new life and carry um a uh, baby in utero like the fact that society attacks that so strongly i think is just indicative of really how important it is like Mm -hmm. that they have to like fight teeth and nail against this thing because it's so important and it's so vital Mm -hmm. and essential to womanhood um that they have to like unleash everything against it. Um, so that's kind of the physical side of things. I guess the essentials of womanhood is that we are built differently and that we shouldn't see those differences as limitations. Mm-hmm. They're just a calling to other strengths and other gifts instead. So I hope that that kind of answers your question mm-hmm. in part. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So this is Addie Longnecker, and I'm here today with Shelby Lohman on the Curate podcast on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So as Christian women, how do we keep ourselves from being pulled into a world that is trying to destroy that definition of femininity and womanhood um, when fitting in is something that, you know, we long to be able to do? So this is one that a question that the answer is definitely different for, that I would give to a woman that's at Hillsdale uh, versus a woman that's <laughs> almost anywhere else in yeah. the world, um, which is not a flaw of Hillsdale. It's a gift of Mm-hmm. You're being at Hillsdale um, as a young woman, uh, but it is something that kind of requires a couple different approaches, I think, just depending on where mm-hmm. you are at, in life and in the world um, and your environment. But I, I think that so much of it boils down to when possible, like when you're at Hillsdale uh, or when you are finding or building or joining this church community um, wherever you end up Mm -hmm. post-grad when possible to really seek out the women that you see living out their womanhood Um, whether it's the mom with six kids that's sitting in the front row at church 
uh, or the single woman that you see at small group or Bible study or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but really to look for and like it, not in like a weird way, but just to yeah. like watch out for and look for the women that you feel like are living out this vocation of womanhood mm-hmm. around you and then to muster up the courage to go and talk to them, which as an introvert, that is that has been one of my biggest struggles post-grad and my extroverted husband will go talk to just about any other guy he sees <laughs> at church. Um, and I'm sitting there like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, but that is one thing of how can we like try to live this out is to surround ourselves with like-minded women. Yeah. The challenge then, especially when you go post-grad and if you're a social student going out into the big wide world afterward, um, the challenge is definitely what if I move to this new place or get this new job and there aren't like-minded women mm. around me, either because I've not yet found a church community or because I'm in a field that doesn't really cultivate this type of woman um, or whatever it might be. That's a whole different challenge. And that was something that my husband and I had a hard time with at first before we really got settled in our church community down here is like-minded men for him or women for me. How do we go about finding them? And what we've kind of come to realize is that sometimes with our state in life and sometimes literally the location of where we are geographically and who we are or aren't surrounded by, sometimes there will be these times of feeling like there's not many people mm-hmm. um, that you can surround yourself with that are like-minded or that could call you to this this higher level or this greater womanhood. Mm-hmm. And that can be a really challenging time, like no other. Mm-hmm. But that also, I think, can be a time of really great fruit if you kind of challenge yourself to be that woman to the others around you. Um, mm-hmm. If you realize that there is this lack of model women um, with which you want to surround yourself can you challenge yourself and call yourself and work on yourself in a way that allows you to be the woman that those around you can actually look to as a model of womanhood mm-hmm. and sort of be that example if you find yourself in a situation where there aren't other examples for you to follow. Yeah. And that can be really hard coming out of Hillsdale where you are surrounded by lots of great people and lots of great young women. Mm-hmm. And then you go off and you're the sole one. But that was kind of the realization that we've had over the last two, two and a half years, kind of finding our groove down here in Kentucky. So Wow. Um, Transitioning now into sort of more of your curate blog specifically, you talk a lot about looking to these traditional pictures of womanhood in literature and in history. And I was just curious, who are some of your favorite sort of role models to look to in literature and history for this picture of womanhood? Okay. So some of my favorites, to be totally honest, uh, Sucker for a Jane Austen novel. (laughs) Um, And I mentioned Elizabeth Bennett in the article. Mm -hmm. Um, And aside from that being, I got to think about this, reading Pride and Prejudice was my first exposure to a Jane Austen work in my great books class uh, with Dr. Franklin. That was the first time that I'd ever read Austen. And uh, my husband, actually, Andrew, had told me when he read it in high school, he hated it. And so I had no idea what to expect <laughs> um, coming into that book. 
-hmm. But reading it, um, aside from just liking how Austin writes and liking her novels, um, I actually really enjoy reading Pride and Prejudice and reading about Elizabeth Bennet because I think that something that we don't often associate with, like, womanhood or femininity is that Elizabeth Bennet is witty and Mm -hmm. smart and like has a sense of humor that you can be reading this novel and it's not like you're just reading about some ditzy like ditzy absent-minded female lead um but that you can actually appreciate her humor and some of her exchanges with her father Mm -hmm. and that you don't read these comical scenes and think oh she's not being feminine or she's being crass or inappropriate or anything like mm-hmm. that it's just a strong good witty sense of humor that like we don't need to sacrifice for the sake of being feminine uh, I think that there's I don't want like a focus on femininity or these other things to exclude like oh well, that means I shouldn't be intelligent or I shouldn't be funny or these other things. It just means that we try to approach the intelligent or the funny with grace and uh, respect and not being crass or crude or other things. So that was one thing that I kind of appreciated uh, reading Pride and Prejudice for the first time was there's this beautiful, smart woman who also has a good sense of humor um, that everybody can appreciate and doesn't reflect ill on her. Uh, So she's the first one. Um, Another not literature character, but one of the biblical characters um, uh, that I mentioned, I believe, in the article Mm -hmm. um, was from the book of Tobit, which I realized after I wrote that, that that's one of the Catholic-only books. So if you don't (laughs) want to include this answer, that's okay. Um, But in the book of Tobit, there's a young couple Um, Sarah and Tobias, uh, who Sarah has gone through seven husbands at this point, and they have all died mysteriously, have dropped dead on their wedding night to Sarah. And so then Tobias comes in and wants to marry Sarah, and she wants to marry him, but there's this, like, fear of, well, am I going to be this eighth person to drop dead on the wedding night, and Sarah's going to be a widow again. Ultimately, what ends up starting their marriage and preventing Tobias from being the eighth husband that dies on their wedding night is that they pray together. Um, Like after their ceremony and they get to their wedding chamber and Tobias is like, let's pray um, before we do anything else. Uh, Like the first thing that we do as a married couple is that we pray and we give thanks to God and we start our marriage off this way. And seeing his Tobias's and Sarah's relationship like that, um, part of the passage in this book of Tobit was one of our readings at our wedding mass. And so that has actually been something that we kind of chose uh, half seriously, half just kind of a, it works, Mm -hmm. um, when it was time for us to plan our wedding readings, uh, but has actually kind of stuck with us. um, And uh, we've Mm -hmm. recited this passage um, from the Bible almost every single day that we've been married now. And it's just has really stuck struck me and stuck with me that we have this great image of Sarah and Tobias and mm-hmm. how a, a marriage should start and how the man, the husband Tobias can lead his wife, Sarah and Sarah then mm-hmm. follows his lead. Um, mm-hmm. 
as they start their marriage. Yeah, so. That's really cool. So you're listening to The Curate Podcast on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Addie Longnecker and speaking with me today is Shelby Lohman on the topic of traditional femininity in a modern world. So as our sort of final question, um, what inspired you to start your blog? <laughs> this is a funny one that my husband would probably also like to answer. Um, <laughs> but it was in the spring of 2020 when it really started. Uh, I believe, I'd have to go back and look at the history of it, but I believe that the, I made the website for it in November or December of 2019. And then it kind of sat dormant mm -hmm. for those four-ish months until I started regu more regularly writing and making the Instagram account that corresponds with it. Mm -hmm. um, so there was like four months of I had kind of gotten the inkling to do something writing-wise. So I made a website, but then it kind of sat there. And then Andrew found out that I had made a website and was like, oh, like, what's you going to do with that? Like, yeah. oh, you're going to write? How often are you going to write? Uh, what are you going to write about? And started, like, oh. asking all these <laughs> questions and trying to, like, prompt me and encourage me, but also to mm -hmm. make sure I didn't just, like, fall back on my butt and not do anything with it, mm -hmm. um, which I definitely needed that to kind of poke in the side every now and again. Um, but the kind of initial inkling in November and then again, in March of 2020, which was like right when all the COVID stuff hit, and I probably just had more time on my hands. Um, it was really just feeling like there there were a lot of other blogs out there, or at least Instagrams. So, mm -hmm. in what influencers, Instagrammers, blogger, whatever you'd call the mm -hmm. kind of social media chick with lots of followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had over the years, as most women our age would probably say I've just accumulated however many of those Instagram influencers that I've followed randomly over the years. And some of them I really do like following, but then there were others where I was like, they're sharing more superficial things mm -hmm. or only sharing about clothes, which there's a time and a place for that and like having inspiration and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but it was kind of this realization that I was following a lot of accounts that weren't really talking about what I thought were the important things. Mm -hmm. For women that can reach so many people that follow them, they could be using that following or that platform that they have mm -hmm. to do so much more. Um, and so some of it was a realization of, at least in my Instagram feed and with who I was following, these conversations weren't really happening and they, like, the important things weren't really being talked about. So that was the loftier ambition of mine, I guess, was, yeah. We need to talk about these things, so I'm going to be the person to talk about them. Cool. Uh, the other side of things that uh, plays a bit more into my own pride, I would say, and I mm -hmm. probably put it even more so when I was explaining it to my husband, um, but the other side was in reading some of these influencers' posts or if they had like a website where they'd write longer blogs about different experiences or whatever. There was a bit of pride in the realization that I felt like I could write better than they could and express myself more eloquently. And so while that that wasn't the main goal of the blog um, of just like writing because I like how I write type mm -hmm. of deal, but that was definitely a part of it. It felt like I had things that I wanted to say and that I wanted people to talk about. And I felt like I could write about them well. And most of that is thanks to Hillsdale. Um, even as a student that studied math and Spanish, 
you end up writing countless essays regardless of what you study, I feel like, at Hillsdale. So so that was kind of the other kind of shallower side of things was that I felt like I could write well. And to some extent, also thanks to Hillsdale, would borderline say that I missed writing. Uh, After the four years at Hillsdale, reading good books, And having these good discussions and then Mm -hmm. being challenged with sitting down and writing an essay about it, which I know some people hate, but there was definitely a part of me that missed that task of sitting down and putting thoughts on a page Mm -hmm. and trying to improve it and make it sound more polished uh, and professional. And so a bit of it was the intellectuals and nerdy side of me that was like, I miss writing essays, (laughs) so I'm going to make myself write my own essays. (laughs) That's kind of the two or threefold reasoning behind it, I guess, mm-hmm. um, of why I started in the first place. Well, very cool. So it's kind of a roundabout long answer, but <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. It has been an absolute pleasure. This has been Addie Longnecker with Shelby Lohman on the Curate Podcast, Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.